Pop Culture Footnotes, this very special Valentine's Day episode. Um, I'm Courtney. I'm Shannon. I'm Tana. And I love to- Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> but not the movie so Valentine's Day. No, right? you're okay, correct. <laughs> the holiday. We might have to re- just question this whole thing. <laughs> Um, banned yeah. from the show. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're, we're ha- excited to have a special Valentine's Day episode where we're going to be talking about Nora Ephron, the queen of rom-coms. Um, yeah, so before we get into that, we're going to uh, do this new segment that we're, we're taking, well, we started with last week, which is Media of the Week. So what are you guys watching or reading or listening to right now? Uh, I can go. Yeah. I am late to this train, but I, uh, in the last couple weeks, have binge-watched The Good Place. Um, oh, the first yay. season so far only, so you like no it? spoilers. I love it. Yay. It's so good and fun. I didn't okay. think it was going to be, but I also didn't know anything about it, and it's just been, like, the funnest, like, thing to watch. Nice. It's so great. Okay. <laughs> And yeah. it's so good. <laughs> also, Chidi. Like, he's one of my favorite people, maybe, like, yeah. ever. Oh, it's so, it's yeah. so cute. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, let's see. What am I on? Um, I have been, uh, because of Valentine's Day coming up, I've kind of been mentally getting into the spirit by watching all of my favorite romances, which most of most of them are guilty pleasure movies. So I watched Austin Land this past week. Um, I, I hate that I love that movie so much because Stephanie Meyer was a producer, and I hate giving that woman money. Um, but... I and I read the book too, the Shannon Hill book, and it's not a great book. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, and I know the movie's not good, but I find it so funny. And I also love Pride and Prejudice. I'm a big Jane Austen fan, so I have also been watching Pride and Prejudice this week. Yay! In all of its adaptations. So. Okay, I, what's your what's your favorite one? Oh, the A and E one. It's not even a question. <laughs> I, I haven't seen that one. So <gasps> very quietly. Um, we tried watching it once at my house, but from the library, they you would check it out in the parts, and we accidentally oh, got part two. And uh, so for some reason, it's never come up again. Okay. We really like the Kira Knightley one, though. And I, I know that people don't like that uh, one as well, and it's more Bronte <laughs> than Austin, but I yeah. like the Bronte story. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah. Um, if you want to borrow it, you are welcome to it. I have it. Yeah, I actually <laughs> probably have it. Um, Should yeah. take care of that <laughs> blind spot. Yeah, so that's what <clears throat> that's what I've been binging this week. How about you, Shannon? Um, I guess going off of our <laughs> last episode, um, I tried to watch all of the Oscar-nominated films. Um, and <laughs> I mean, I thus far I've watched like Boss Baby and there have been some terrible <laughs> ones but um, I watched one called Faces Places um, which is a French documentary um, and it's with Agnes Varda who she's um, I'm not like actually a huge film buff as far as like the history of film but she's big with the French new wave movement of film and so anyway she's like a genius but so she did a documentary with this French photographer named J.R. Um, and they just travel to different villages in France and they learn people's stories and talk to them and then they take pictures of them, blow them up really big and like paste them on the side of buildings. Hmm. Um, and so it's just kind of incredible, like the care Agnes takes, like learning about people and then watching them see themselves in this format. Anyway, it was very charming and I enjoyed it so much. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Sweet. Well, uh, moving on. So we are going to be talking about Nora Ephron this week. Um, specifically, we're going to be talking about three of her, her big ones, which is When Harry Met Sally, um, Sleepless in Seattle, and You've Got Mail. 
So, um, before we get into that, uh, let's talk about our first exposures to Nora Ephron. Who would like to go first? <laughs> Shannon, do you want to go first? Um, yeah, I'll say, um, so my, <laughs> I just texted my dad earlier, my dad's favorite actress ever, at least before she got plastic surgery, it was <laughs> is Meg Ryan. Um, and so I grew up with them on all the time because like these ones, but then like Kate and Leopold or my dad would be downstairs oh, yeah. watching <laughs> Meg Ryan movies because he loves her. Um, I texted my dad to find out his favorite and his favorite is You've Got Mail, which checks out because I feel like that's the one I've seen the most. <laughs> so great. Right. How about you, Tana? Uh, I think so my, I was similar, like grew up watching all of these like rom-coms. My mom loved them. So we watched like most of these. I don't know if, if Harry Met Sally was one of her favorites, but like You've Got Mail was a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, but she also did watch like Kate and Leopold. And yeah. I never knew, like, I thought they were all just like Hallmark movies, right? Like all directed <laughs> by different people that were just like variations on a theme. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I got married and my partner, Josh, loves uh Nora Ephron with a passion mm-hmm. um and so he well, like charming I know so <laughs> that was the first time where I was like oh I know who this person is and like what she does um and for a while we timed up our new year's eve um release for the ball drop within Harry Met Sally so we would like oh. start the movie right like at the right exact time so that as as it was oh, counting so down much. IRL it was counting down in the movie and that was our <laughs> celebration so nice you're yeah. the best. <laughs> so good. Seriously. Um, I think my my first exposure was probably very similar. My mom loved Sleepless in Seattle. Um, so, I, and I feel like in my research for this episode, it seems like Nora Ephron's films really kind of resonated a lot with people of our parents' generation. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, my mom loved Sleepless in Seattle. And as a result, I grew up watching that a lot. And then I also grew up, grew up watching An Affair to Remember, which is what mm-hmm. that movie is kind of based on. And then also You've Got Mail was a big one. So, yeah, cool. Awesome. All right, well, let's talk about When Harry Met Sally. So let's. turn it over to Shannon. Uh, um, I, I've got to say, I didn't see this film because of its R rating. Like, I didn't see it for the longest time and probably saw like a year ago or a year and a half ago for the first time. I think I've seen it ten times or so since because it's the Man, it's so good. <laughs> anyway, um, so this one's just written by Nora Ephron, and it's directed by Rob Reiner. Um, it's funny. So I watched like some of a featurette between the two of them talking about this film, and they're friends. And the Harry and Sally are actually based off of the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, for I guess I'll get into that in a minute, but it was kind of fun. <laughs> um, so. The film starts and with um, and throughout they have these clips that are like interviews between older couples who explained how they first met, um, and those are real stories from couples that it, it, it's so charming. So it has these like kind of talking head sort of things um, just throughout the film, just so you know. Um, and then the film starts in '77 with Sally played by Meg Ryan um, and Harry played by uh, Billy Crystal. So Sally is driving um, Harry. Harry's dating her friend, um, and they both go to the University of Chicago, but they're both moving to New York, and so they drive to New York together. Um, and the whole way, they kind of, like, bicker back and forth. Um, and so I don't know if I have more to say about that, but to kind of describe their characters, you have Harry, who's, like, cynical and sarcastic and... 
Um, yeah, and then you have Sally, who's like really optimistic and um, like Nora Ephron is like just a happy person, but then she's also like incredibly structured and she likes her food a certain way, which comes up a lot. And I guess Ralph Reiner and um, Nora Ephron ate together and Nora did like ordered in the way <laughs> Sally does. And so he said, that needs to be in the movie. Um, she's always like, I want a salad with oil and vinegar on the side. And then I want pie a la mode with ice cream and strawberry ice cream if you have it. But if you don't, I want whipped cream. And like she has very specific orders. And so they're like pretty different people in that way. Um, as they're talking, it comes up. Um, Harry kind of makes a little bit of a pass at Sally or says that she's attractive. And she says, but you're going out with my friend. And he says, why can't I say you're attractive? Um, and it comes up like the point of the movie is men and women can't be friends because the sex or the attraction always gets in the way. Um, and so that's their theory that they can't actually be friends. Um, and so, yeah, they get to New York and they kind of part ways because they don't like each other very much at this point. Um, so then it cuts to five years later. Um, they're in an airport. Sally is dating a guy named Joe. Um, and Joe knows Harry, so Harry sees Joe, and they're like, oh, how's it going and whatnot. He almost forgets about Sally, but once they're on the plane, he's like, you're that woman that I drove to, you know, university, to New York with. Um, Harry is in, uh, says that he's engaged to Helen, and so they kind of have the same conversation over again, like... Remember how we can't be friends, and maybe we can because we're both seeing people, but no, we can't actually because we should just, like, if our partners aren't enough for us, then why would we need to be friends? And anyway, so they have that conversation all over again. Um, so yeah, cut to five years later where all the interesting stuff happens. Um, so you have Sally, who's just now broken up with Joe because they wanted different things. Sally realized she wants a family and whatnot, and Joe just doesn't want to get married and have that with her. So they have broken up. Um, and then Harry had, um, his wife left him for another man, and so uh, that's going real well. So both of them are now single again, and they meet up in a bookstore. Um, it's of note that Carrie Fisher's in this movie, and she's, um... Sally's best friend, Marie, um, and she's having an affair. Well, she's like dating a married man. Um, and one of the funny bits in it is she always says, it, it, like she says something about, oh, he's never going to leave her. And they're all, her friends always say, well, we, he's never going to leave his wife. And she goes, you're right, you're right. I know you're right. Like again and again through the movie. Um, but she keeps dating this guy. <laughs> um, so anyway, they... Um, Sally and Harry meet at a bookstore and they all of a sudden kind of become friends. Like they talk about their relationship and whatnot and they realize like um, it's kind of nice to have someone who they're not, they don't have this romantic attraction yet, but um, they can talk openly with each other about their relationships and kind of get each other through like their broken relationships. Um, Let's see, there's a really nice part where they have um, a split screen between the two where they're both um, watching Casablanca um, at night and talking on the phone to each other and they just have a conversation back and forth. Um, I don't know, it's hot. maybe, Dan, if you have any favorite moments, it's just, it's really nice like how natural it feels, their friendship kind of building up. Um, but anyway, so they... 
kind of both start like dating around. Um, Harry is sleeping around, which Sally doesn't super approve of. Um, and I guess this brings us to the most famous scene from this movie that I really don't want to talk about. Um, <laughs> I know I, what scene it is. Yes. Um, I, had, I told my dad to start listening to the podcast. I said, so I'm going to have to talk about this orgasm scene, so maybe just listen to <laughs> that part. or I don't know. But um, it comes up like Harry's been sleeping around with these women, and so he's like, well, how do you – like, women can't like that, really, that you're just – sleeping with him and how do you know that they like and he's like well I I know wink wink that they're enjoying it um and she says well a lot of women fake it um he's like no that never that's never happened to me like the stereotypical (laughs) guy saying it um and Ryan proceeds to fake an orgasm in the middle of the restaurant um which is really uncomfortable (laughs) so yeah um and apparently they uh Nora and Rob had like written this part but they were just talking about it and it was Meg Ryan's idea that she should actually fake it like in the (laughs) middle of the restaurant um anyway so that happens, and then a woman in the restaurant yeah. goes, I'll have what she's having. <laughs> and that's and that's Rob Reiner's mother, actually, so that's kind of fun. He pointed out, like, it's one of the most famous lines, and she's not even an actor or anything, but people always say that line. Um, so that's fun. Um, let's see. There is a point. So there are friends in both. So you've got Sally's friend Marie, and then Harry has a, his best friend is named Jess. And they both kind of keep commenting on like, you two seem to get along. Why aren't you dating each other? Like, why haven't you tried this out? Um, and the two of them decide that, um, they're going to go on a double eight date and set Harry up with Marie and, um, Sally up with Jess. And it does not go well, but Jess and Marie end up really hitting it off with each other. And so they run off and start dating. Um, So that's really great. Um, So uh, Marie finally leaves behind her cheating guy. Um, So then throughout the rest, they're kind of like moving in together and then they get married and whatnot, that couple. Um, Let's see, next part I have where Harry runs into Helen um is they're trying to find like a home uh, housewarming gift for uh jess and marie and they're he's like singing karaoke and that's kind of a cute part that they're like singing karaoke together in the middle of sharper image or something and then helen comes in and harry's all upset about it um they kind of argue back and forth and um so it's like, well, like it, he says, why? Of course I'm upset. Like, you never get upset about anything. You're never upset about Joe. And, like, why do you never express your feeling? And Sally says, well, you're just sleeping around with everyone. And what good is that doing you? And they kind of make up, but there's some tension there. Um, let's see. So that they both, again, like, start dating other people. Um, and... You know that they like each other because they hate each who the other one is dating. So, um, anyway, Sally gets a call then from Joe, uh, who's getting married, and she's really upset about it. So she calls Harry, um, and Harry comes over to console her. Um, she kind of walks around like grabbing tissues and throwing them away, and it's a really funny scene where she's just like bawling and crying. Um, Harry, like, they've been kind of platonically kissing in the movie. And so to comfort her, he kisses her, but that ends up, like, becoming something more, and the two of them end up sleeping together. Um, 
Harry's immediately uncomfortable with that. He's like, oh, we shouldn't have done it. Like, we're just friends, and now we've made the whole relationship weird, um, which was the whole point of this, that, like, they can't be friends or else the sex is going to ruin it. Um, and that's exactly what happens. Um, yeah. they There's a cute scene, too, where they both call... Um, they Harry calls Jess and Sally calls Marie at the same time when they're telling each other what happened. And uh, Marie says, tell me I'll never have to be out there again. And Jess says, you'll never have to be out there again. It's really romantic <laughs> and cute. Um, anyway, they both kind of hate each other. They're upset. Um, they go to the wedding, but they're like, Sally's really upset. And Harry says, why can't we just get over this like, and become friends again? And she's like, no, like I care about you and I don't want to be a consolation prize. Like If you have feelings for me, can't be friends you need to actually like date me um and so harry keeps trying to like make up with her and it's not really happening um and then so cut to new year's eve where earlier in the movie they said they'd always like be each other's date uh for new year's eve and um sally says like i don't want to go with you i want to be the girl i want to be the one for you um, and so she's there miserable and is about to leave and Harry has a realization that he's in love with her and she's actually the only one he ever wanted to be with. And I wanted to read the quote if at the end, if I can find it. So like right around midnight, he runs to get to the party where she's at and right at midnight, he makes it there and she's like, you're just in love with me now because you're sad and you want me here now, but you're not going to love me tomorrow. And um, Harry says the best quote. Um, I love I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, uh, I can smell I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. I love that you're the last person I want to talk to you before I go to sleep at night. And it's not because I'm lonely and it's not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. Um, it's so cute. <laughs> anyway, and so they make up and they're in love. And then the last bit, you've had these interviews throughout. And the last bit is the Harry Sally interviewing and telling how they met and they get married. And yeah, it's really cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if we've got time for just like a little bit of trivia on it, yeah. I guess. Um, Tom Hanks actually turned down the role, which is funny because the other two films we're talking about are uh, Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks vehicles. And so um, that's kind of funny that it could have been all of these films with the two of them. Um, yeah, they weren't supposed to end up together, Harry and Sally, at the end, but they decided, like, it was so obvious the chemistry between the two that they couldn't really write it any other way. Um, and the film was adapted for the stage in uh, 2004, so that's kind of interesting. I'm not sure how that would play out um, on stage, but anyway, I love it, and it's great. <laughs> Thanks. Cool. Do we want to just move on to the next one, or do we want to discuss that one more? I haven't actually seen I was I wanted to see it before um we recorded this and I went to the library to check it out and it was already checked out. No (laughs) Yeah. I was bummed. I don't I don't have a ton more feels other than I really like it. It's one of my favorite ones. Like it's it's so it feels like you were saying so natural, like those um talking heads throughout it or whatever, just like it makes the story just feel like it's it's just a thing that grows like it just happens and and like it's really sweet and genuine and 
the good. good bit. And Billy Crystal's like talking to her in weird accents. Yeah. I don't know. It's cute. Like being silly with each other and like being yeah. genuine. It feels like a genuine relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, um, I forgot that my favorite, one of the couples, um, I can't remember how they met, um, but she says like, she knew right away and she says, I know, I knew the way you knew. I knew the way you know about a good melon. It's every time I laugh so hard about that. It's so cute. Anyway. Cool. Let's do sleepless. Okay. Uh, this is um, Nora's... It's the, it's the second one that she both wrote and directed, but it is uh, the one that got big. So the one before, I think, is This Is My Life. Um, and not many people have watched or heard of it. Uh, so this is her first, like big directorial hit or whatever and even it was kind of a sleeper um it it took a while to like i know sleep sleeper. Listen to Seattle, uh <laughs> took kind of a while to gain momentum um in the box office uh i believe it came out in 93 i think is the year that it was uh check my notes uh yes 93 is correct um and it is uh kind of contrary to when harry met sally this one is so much more contrived uh, I'll kind of get into the plot, like, because that one feels so natural and like, yeah. like works. And this one, uh, as you will hear momentarily, is a lot more set up. Um, so the movie opens with uh, Sam Baldwin, played by Tom Hanks, uh, has just lost his wife Maggie. Um, she died of cancer, and he has his little eight-year-old son Jonah, who I don't know who plays him. Uh, he's played by Ross Mallinger. I don't know. Doesn't just... he pop up other places? Yeah, though? he's he like was... one of those like nineties movie kids. This... I feel like. Yeah, he was in this movie from the nineties with Kirstie Alley, where she was the tooth fairy. Yes, that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you were right. Yeah, yeah. so like <laughs> that was the most like kids or whatever. I did too. That's great. <laughs> Jason Schwartzman actually auditioned for the role of Jonah, like when he was just a little tiny, tiny kid Aww. or whatever. So I think that's fun. Aww. Oh, um, so that would have been adorable. Um, but basically, picture him without a mustache. Yeah, well, I guess doesn't anyway. Um, so uh, it's Sam and Jonah kind of trying to figure out life after um, Maggie has died, and uh, a year and a half after her death on Christmas Eve, Jonah calls into a radio station uh, to what is it, Doctor Doctor Margaret, Doctor something? I can't remember her name. Uh, Doctor. Marcia. Oh, Marsha. It's yeah. Dr. Marsha Fieldstone. Mm-hmm. And uh, at one point when, during the conversation, he's like, should I call you Dr. Fieldstone? And she's like, Dr. Marsha. <laughs> Dr. Marsha. Um, uh, so Jonah calls into this radio station basically saying, I, I, I need help getting my dad to start dating other women to find a, like a new mom for me. Like he's sad all the time. Um, Dr. Marsha convinces Jonah to get Sam on the phone. Um, and while this is all happening, we are introduced to um, Meg Ryan's character, Annie Reed. Uh, she is with her fiancé, Walter, um, who's played by Bill Pullman. Uh, another fun uh, rom-com, <laughs> like, 90s dude. Yep. Um, and he, I feel like, is is kind of what Meg Ryan's character is like in When Harry Met Sally. He's kind of this, like... Uh, I don't know, neurotic and like <laughs> allergic to everything. Like they're having this dinner with Meg Ryan's family to uh, announce their engagement and all they're talking about is his allergies. Like he's sneezing <laughs> at the tulips and he's allergic to every kind of nut and like all of these, he's just kind of a, I don't know. Uh, and her mom takes her up to the attic afterward to try on a wedding dress cause they just announced their engagement. Um, 
and her mom's describing how it just felt magical uh, when she met her father, like when she met her husband, Meg Ryan's father. Um, and uh, Meg Ryan kind of pauses and goes like, magic, huh? Like there's these first little seeds of doubt are planted. Um, and then the, the arm on the dreading wedding dress rips and she's like, oh, it's a sign. And her mom's like, you don't believe in signs. It's fine. <laughs> Um, but so they, uh, Walter and Annie are leaving to go, um, make it to, since it's Christmas Eve, they're going to spend Christmas with Walter's family. So they're leaving to drive, um, they're driving separately. And while, uh, Annie is in the car, she hears Jonah on the radio calling in, um, to this Dr. Marcia show. Um, and she gets really invested in this relationship, uh, like, cause, uh, Sam, has been convinced to start talking to Dr. Marcia and he's talking about why he loved his wife and that she says like, why, like, can you tell us why you loved her? He says, uh, how long is your program? Like mm -hmm. it's, yeah, just this like beautiful, like, uh, and, and, uh, Annie is just so drawn in by it. Um, everybody's talking about it. She goes into work the next day. She's a reporter at the Baltimore sun, I believe. Uh, also, my favorite part of this movie is that Rosie O'Donnell's in it. She's her co she's Annie's coworker, um, and they're kind of all talking about this uh, weird, you know, like uh, sleepless in Seattle guy. That's where the name comes from. Is that Dr. Marsha calls him sleepless in Seattle because he can't sleep and they're in Seattle. Um, so uh, she like as Annie gets invested in, you know, like how Sam felt about his wife and what her mom said, she starts to kind of feel like maybe the magic is missing between her and Walter. Um, and she, uh, uh, watches an affair to remember with Rosie O'Donnell <laughs> and kind of impulsively writes a letter to Sam, um, <laughs> because Jonah has given their address to, uh, Dr. Marsha's show and they're getting like <laughs> thousands of letters and stuff from women who are like, I want to like treat you or whatever. Um, so Sam, meanwhile, has sort of started coming out of his shell. He starts dating a coworker, Victoria. Uh, Jonah doesn't like Victoria. He's still opening all the mail coming in from these, uh, women. And he reads in, uh, Annie's letter that she mentions the Baltimore Orioles and he loves baseball. So he's like, this is the one you have to do it. Like, uh, and Sam is like, no, I, I have somebody here. And Jonah is just like determined that like he will meet Annie. Um, meanwhile, Annie is getting more and more invested in, in this, like, uh, cause Jonah does write back to her, um, pretending to be Sam. And uh, one of my favorite quotes is actually, so Annie opens the letter and is reading it and it's written by Jonah, an eight year old. And so he's like, that would be neat. And like, we were, we are MFEO, like made for each other and stuff. And, uh, she's like, this is terrible. Like it's so poorly written thinking that Sam had written it. And Rosie O'Donnell goes, literacy is one of the most overvalued traits in a partner. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but, but she, uh, ends up flying into, uh, Seattle to kind of like gather intel on oh, she, gets, she gets full-blown stalker yeah well. she hires like a detective and like she is watching them play on the beach and stuff uh just kind of like following them around she true also love. yeah <laughs> creepy creepy true love um she also uh in when the um like when she's watching them play on the beach um sam's sister comes up to them and meg or annie is just like certain that that's his girlfriend and like she's all in a huff about it when it's really just his sister and like she's very defensive whatever mm -hmm. um but basically 
Jonah feels like he's not being taken seriously enough by Sam to like go. He he writes to Annie and says, "We're gonna meet. I want to meet you at, at the top of the Empire State Building. Um, I think it's on. Is it on Valentine's, on Valentine's Day? Day? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so she like she's gonna go there. Uh, and Sam is not convinced. So Jonah, with the help of his little bratty friend, she's <laughs> the worst. Uh, Jessica is her name. Um, She's the one who is, like, using all of the, like, acronyms before they were cool, like, NFEO <laughs> and, like, uh, so she, her mom is a, like, a, works at an airline, and she helps book him a ticket, so he flies to New York by himself, Jonah does, um, and then Sam, like, real, like, is frantic, they get Jessica to tell him where he went, um, he jumps another plane to meet him there, so Jonah gets all the way to the top of the Empire State Building, um, and then Sam finds him and takes him down, at right as Meg Ryan, like, the elevator doors close as they go down, right as Meg Ryan's elevator doors open up, right as it's closing, uh, and you, you like, oh, no, they've missed it. They've missed their moment. Um, and then uh, they forgot uh, Jonah's backpack, so Sam and Sam comes back up, and they meet, and uh, it's just this beautiful, like, <laughs> super fun... Uh, she pulls the teddy bear out of his backpack and, uh, cause she, she's found the backpack and then that's like when they appear and, uh, goes and holds her hand or whatever. Cause there's a big, there's like, they've been talking about holding hands. Like the first time I held my wife's hand and couldn't tell whose fingers were whose and stuff. And then they get back into the elevator, all three of them together and the movie ends. So, yeah. uh, it's really sweet and beautiful. <laughs> um, but as I was saying, super contrived, like that is one thing that, um, everybody talked, like, all of the reviews that I read talked about, um, being like, this film should not work. This film should feel like a goofy setup. Like, nothing is, like, like, an affair to remember, which it is kind of referencing, like, did it and did it well, and anything lighter than that feels kind of, like, hokey, like, this, like, weird, I don't know, the meat cute and stuff, uh, and, but but it works like it's so endearing and so like you you care about these people enough that like I don't know that it, it works despite it being so like obviously uh, kind of cliche and and um, fake I guess like I don't I don't want to be mean like I don't want to sound mean yeah. but it's it's one of those things that like it would never actually happen in real life that way like that's not a thing that happens but yeah. It's fun to think that it might. <laughs> That's how so many romantic comedies yeah. are, though. So yeah. if it's done well, yeah. I feel like you can forgive it for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, I think that that's what, like, everybody, like, yeah. so many critics felt about it was, like, mm -hmm. it's done well enough that you don't care about that. You don't care that it's, like, you know what's going to happen and, like, it shouldn't happen, but you know it's going <laughs> to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, growing so. up as a kid, like, I loved this movie, and then watching it as an adult, I was like, this is actually a little creepy. Yeah. She's, <laughs> she's, like, obsessed with him, even though she's, like, engaged to somebody else. But then she, like, hires the PI and shows up and is, like, stalking him and his kid, and he even sees her. And you can tell, like, they have, like, this connection and stuff, but then she leaves. And... Then he sees her again, and he's like, it's you. And I'm like, wouldn't any man at that point be, like, hightailing it? Yeah. She's like, like, you yes. showed up, and we're following me around. Like, ugh. Anyway. Um, that's what I was going to say, is, like, Sorry. that's the one thing upon, re like, rewatching it, or, like, kind of 
related to that. Yeah. She is so mean to Walter. Walter is the best guy. He's so kind. And like, okay, the magic's not there. Like, I'm not going to hold it against her. But the way that she treats him throughout all of this Mm -hmm. and is like super not transparent. Like at one point, uh, Rosie O'Donnell calls her up and he's like, and is like, Jonah's back on the air talking about how he doesn't want his dad to be like dating this person that he's dating right now. Uh, And so she like runs downstairs to listen to what's happening and she hides in a closet and like Walter finds her and just trusts her. He's like so trusting and so kind. And like through all of it, like she's like, I have to fly to New York. Like I like, I I have to like do the fly to Seattle and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he just absolutely trusts her is completely not paranoid. And she is cheap, like basically like already plotting to cheat on him. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes me real sad because yeah. he's a good guy, even yeah. if he has allergies. Yeah. And like at the end when she like leaves him at the fancy restaurant to go meet a guy who may not even be there on top of the Empire uh-huh. State Building. He's so nice about it. Yeah. <sighs> Poor Walt. <Doesn't> <laughs> um, related fun fact to what Shannon shared about when Harry met Sally, Tom Hanks also first time around turned this down as well. And then... Um, Nora He's Efron. too good for yeah. romantic comedies. <laughs> Nora Efron um, kind of took a stab at like, added like adjusting the script a little bit, and the second time around he took it. Mm-hmm. Julia Roberts said no and stayed out. Yeah, <laughs> that's when Meg Ryan came in. She was gonna be. I feel like Meg Ryan's so much better. For yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. someone um, when Harry met Sally, I'm trying to. They have phrased it that Sally is, she's a woman from a pen of a woman. And that, uh, I don't know, Meg Ryan does seem like the every woman type uh-huh, to yeah. me more than Julia Roberts. <laughs> well, that's that's why she works so well in, what is it, Joe versus the Volcano, where she mm-hmm. plays like three different characters and they're all like wildly different and you totally believe that she is all three of them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, let's talk about You've Got Mail. Um, let's let's. So you've got mail is one of the few romantic comedies that my husband will sit through. So I've watched it a good number of times. Um, so the the plot follows uh, Meg Ryan again, <clears throat> Kathleen Kelly. Um, she is the owner of an independent bookstore called The Shop Around the Corner, which is a reference to um, what is it? Shop Around the Corner, right? Yeah. There's a movie called Shop Around. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the one it's based off of? I don't know if it's based off of it. Let me see here. I've got I've got this up. Uh, got okay, yeah. So, like... so Parfumery <laughs> was um, a 1937 Hungarian play, which was remade as Shop Around the Corner in 1940. There you go. Which was adapted <laughs> as a movie musical in the good old summertime. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, let's see. And then as a Broadway musical, as She Loves Me, um, and then, but then it also, this movie also draws a lot on Pride and Prejudice, yeah. <laughs> so it's got a lot of influences. Um, so derivative. Yes. Anyway, so <laughs> Kathleen Kelly owns a little independent children's bookstore called Shop Around the Corner, and then it also follows Joe Fox, who is um, the grandson of... Um, Basically, his family has this dynasty. They own this big, book, like, mega bookstore. It was kind of drawing on, like, the Barnes & Noble, right? Which back then was, like, this, you know, big villain tycoon bookstore coming and taking <laughs> over the industry and forcing out the little guys. Um, so, yeah, they're ba- basically playing off of that. So, um, both of them met in a chat room. This was back in the early days of the internet, right? I think this movie, when did this movie come out? Um... I just had it. What? Why? Oh, sorry. It came out in like 97, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I wonder. 98. Sorry, 98. December 98. Um, sorry, what? Well, I, I wonder how, it, 10 years from now, how much people mm-hmm. are going to get that. Because I remember when AOL came out yeah. and hearing that you've got mail <laughs> yeah. and like yeah. going on to chat rooms and instant yeah. messenger and things. Yep. But <laughs> no one does that anymore. Yep. Uh, um, so yeah, both of them basically um, logged into an over 30s chat room and met there and then kind of sparked up this online relationship where they've never met. They just know each other by their screen names. But they kind of both have feelings for each other. Um, and so they just are sending emails to each other, and that's it. And so they're each logging in every day going, oh, man, I hope that I have. <laughs> and then you've got mail. And they get so excited when they hear you've got mail uh, because they know it's from each other. Um, but they've never met. So they are kind of going about their lives, and Kathleen is trying to run this independent bookstore, but there's a Fox Books opening up around the corner. And so she and um, her gang of friends, which includes uh, Heather Burns and uh, uh, what is his name? Steve Zahn. Mm-hmm. Um, I love them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they both work at the store with her. And they're like, oh, man, this is such bad news for a business. Like, we're going to fight back. Um, so anyway, so what happens is they um, – he has a – there are a couple of kids in his family. One is his brother. One is his aunt. It's convoluted and complicated. But anyway. <laughs> so he's taking them around for the day. And they happen to be walking by the bookstore. And so they go in. And they meet each other. And um, he doesn't tell her his last name. He just says, Joe. Just call me Joe. Knowing, like, that she's competition. And um, so, you know, they're talking. And he kind of gets a little bit of personal information on her. And she's a very lovely person. And, um, but he doesn't tell her his last name because he knows that she'll hate him. So then the later that week they meet up at a party because they both have friends in the literary world. And so they meet up and she realizes his name is Joe Fox. And she's like, you're like, you're this horrible, evil person. I hate you. And they have a bit of a confrontation. Um, she she accuses him of spying on her, and so he belittles her store like, you really think that you're my competition? Yeah, I'm going and spying on you. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and he makes her feel really um, little. And so she her she's dating. So they're both dating people. She's dating Frank, played by Greg Kinnear. He is dating... Um, Patricia, who is played by Parker Posey, and they're both, both of them are a little, um, they're caricatures of people, right? Um, And this is actually something I've talked a lot about with my sister, Corinne, who we had on um, last month. She lives in New York City now, and we both grew up in California, and she was like, yeah, living in New York actually gives me a lot of insight into some of these characters, because (laughs) Frank is like this comical, um, like like this personification of the Upper West Side elitist. Um, And Patricia kind of is as well. And they're both like a little out of touch with the common man, but they like to think that they're very woke. (laughs) Um, So Frank publishes, he's a a columnist, and so he publishes this column about his girlfriend Kathleen's bookstore and how um, it's like this, you know, lone read and, and this, you know, big megastore is trying to take over and how it, you know, they're the personification of culture and every and decency and everything good and there's this big media storm around it and she's like yes this is actually gonna, this is gonna save my store and it doesn't it fails to save her store so she actually winds up um, well I guess that's later but anyway so in the meantime she and Joe are still chatting with each other and they decide to meet and 
Um, so she shows up and she has a book and a rose and he looks in through the window and he realizes that it's Kathleen and he, um, they have a very combative relationship and he is angry about it. And so at first he's like, I'm not going to go in. I'm not going to go in. I can't do it. But then he goes in anyway and they have a conversation, which again, he's not disclosing who he really is. Um, she thinks she's here to meet this really great guy and he shows up and he, they have another confrontation in which He's trying to belittle her because he's angry and she fights back and basically um, tells him like you're nothing but a suit or something like that and it, he feels very hurt and they, so they part ways. In the meantime, so she thinks that she's been stood up by this guy that she's been chatting with and so she sends him a message like I don't know why you didn't show up like this other guy showed up and it you know, I had this horrible experience. And so he basically messages her back and is like, I can't explain to you why I didn't come, but I will in the future. And so they just kind of continue on as, you know, online buddies. So in the meantime, um, her bookstore folds and she realizes she doesn't want to be with Frank. They break up. He moves out. Um, Joe also realizes he doesn't want to be with Patricia and she moves out. Or no, sorry, he moves out and moves onto his boat. After they get stuck in an elevator. After they get stuck in an elevator. It's a good scene. Um, but anyway, so they are both now single. Um, her bookstore has folded, and she's actually gotten a lot of job offers, largely because of her literary connections, but also because of the media storm around her bookstore. Um, so she's doing okay, though, um, even though she's heartbroken because the store, she inherited it from her mother, who has passed away, so she's got a lot of sentimental attachment to the store. Um, so they keep corresponding online and he decides that he has feelings towards Kathleen. So he decides to start building a legitimate face to face relationship with her and overcoming this, uh, prejudice that she has for him, um, <laughs> uh, toward him. And so he is just trying to be friends and they discuss their love life. And she basically like reveals to him that she's been chatting with this guy online and he kind of makes fun of the guy's, um, handle. <laughs> knowing that it's himself <laughs> and so there he, but he's like escalating things online while he's also escalating things in person so that she feels conflicted which I think is kind of a dick move <laughs> but, um, but anyway so he finally um, online he asks her to meet and on the same day he kind of reveals that he has feelings for her and she's like I, I have to go meet this guy and she's conflicted and so she goes to the park where they're supposed to meet, and it turns out to be him. And she's like, I wanted it to be you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's you. Got me <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, I, I mean, as I've already revealed on this episode, I love Pride and Prejudice. So I love, I love this movie as well. So, yeah. He's um, so sincere at the yeah, end yeah. when he was like, what does he say? He's like, well, that guy stood you up. And I, if you could just get over this little thing, me putting you out of business, like, I wish you would. But, it, like, he says it jokingly, but then he's like, I wish you would get over it because I love you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I, oh, he's so sweet. Yeah, he is so sweet. Um, I think it's really interesting that this movie, so it got, like, you know, it got okay reviews when it came out. Um, commercially, it was successful. But, um one of the things that people criticize it the most for is product placement. 
<laughs> I, in retrospect, like when I was a kid and watching it, I didn't like I, it. Just didn't even occur to me. But everybody was like, it was just over the top product placement. And looking back, I'm like, uh, no, it really wasn't. Like maybe it was just because that was for the beginning AOL of, for AOL and for I think uh, there were a few others. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I, uh, at the same time, I was like, okay. But when this movie was made, AOL was like the only name in the game, yeah. so it kind of makes sense. <laughs> And, yeah, like, looking back on it, I'm like, well, look at Avengers now. Like, you have ads all over the place. You have cars being designed, like, yeah. from the Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> like. Exactly. Mm. So, yeah, I'm kind of like, uh, maybe we were just spoiled back then and feel that way anymore. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Huh. That's funny. Cool. Uh. Sweet. Well, do you guys want to talk briefly about just Nora Ephron in general? Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> Life. Yeah. Like, the weirdest, I don't know, if you have, like, more, like, lead-up background information, no, I just fine. want to talk to her about, uh, talk about her in Deep Throat. That's, like, my big thing of, like, how I on just earth. I about this. How on That's earth did I know she nothing know? about this. Uh, so... Nora Ephron was married to Carl Bernstein, and uh-huh. um, uh, he was he was a guy who had written a bunch of news articles around the Watergate scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was in contact with Deep Throat. Like Deep Throat was like one of the main contacts, and so she knew. And uh, she, like she was one of only like a few people in the entire world that before it was like like eventually did come out who it was or whatever she knew and she I guess, knew who deep throat was yeah she knew who he was and like when her marriage ended like badly like mm-hmm. not well um she like went around talking about it she was like this is who he is this is who he is like telling everybody like being like super open of like i'm not keeping your secrets anymore if, like we're not married so i just think that's like the most random thing that this like i don't know like romantic comedy director and writer just also knows the super deep political secret that is so great so but you if you want to speak more about like the rest of her life it's also wonderful it's fine i didn't know that That (laughs) that's like a whole section in wikipedia Uh it definitely is um yeah well i mean as far as her like contribution to filmmaking um I think it's I think it's really great how um, I mean first of all it was it's refreshing it was refreshing when she first started that she was a woman writing about women in Hollywood um, but also I think she kind of pioneered the the whole um, best friend relationship in in romantic comedy and um, I mean now it's a bit of a stereotype and like it's been cliched out the wazoo but mm-hmm. um the way that she writes female friendships i think was really revolutionary because before that it was like women were never really friends because they were always catty and mm-hmm. trying to you know beat each other mm-hmm. and each get the man so yeah it was refreshing any, any other <laughs> <laughs> i don't have either of you read her books no because i haven't either actually i've read a little bit from her sister who uh-huh. she wrote with sometimes delia but yeah yeah i haven't read i know that i feel bad about my neck is really popular and there are a couple that <laughs> novels that were or not novels i guess but like memoirs that mm-hmm. she wrote that were pretty popular yeah it's also anyway. just super cool like the legacy that has been created too because i think it's the tribeca film festival uh that actually has like a i don't know it's like $2,500 or $25,000 um, grant that is the Nora Ephron one for 
for um, women who have like unique voices in film, like to give women like more of a voice or whatever, which yeah. is cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. <sighs> cool. We love Nora Ephron. Yeah. She had she had some bad movies. Let's oh yes. Let's <laughs> Um, I've never. But, have you seen either of you seen Michael? Yes. I have not. <laughs> I just know. I think I did. It's John Travolta, right? Way back like, in when, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've only seen it a couple times, and one was when I was very young. Um, okay. But my parents liked it. I know my in-laws like it. Um, but in general, I don't think it's very well received. <laughs> okay. So. Yeah. yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. I've just seen the picture of him like. Like, walk, like he's had that like dopey grin, and he's like yeah. walking in his suit that looks like uh, what is it, Pulp Fiction before Pulp Fiction? <laughs> yeah. Uh, she also did Bewitched with uh-huh. Will Ferrell, which I think is so strange that I don't peg her as someone doing right? like an adaptation from a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that movie, that's another one of my guilty pleasure movies. I know <laughs> really? it's bad, but I like watching it. I've never seen it. She also yeah. was a uh, Julian Julia, right? Yes. Okay. I'm kind of sad that's her last. <laughs> it's like half of a really good movie, so it's it's a bit of a bummer. Like Meryl Streep, now I I feel like I'm defending her, even though I think she's a teeny bit overrated sometimes. She does Julia Child so well though, and like mm. gives her. She's not just a caricature in that movie, like, gives her some actual humanity to her. Yeah. But the parts of Amy Adams are kind of a drag. Mm-hmm. It's too bad. Yeah. But. Um, also, one of, the, one of the articles I was reading was talking about just her influence on the actors who were, who participated in her oh, movies. Uh-huh. Meg Ryan's career was kind of made by Nora Ephron movies. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. Tom Hanks went from, like, he went to leading man status after, yeah. um especially Sleepless in Seattle. Um, Meryl Streep, like, a lot of this this article. Yeah, Yeah, this article was saying, like, um, Meryl Streep, she transitioned from the theater to movies, and a lot of her performances were kind of wooden, but then Silkwood was very, like, it was like her breakout role where people started recognizing that she had talent. Um, Because Mm -hmm. before that, it was, I think she was described before that as, like, being forced to look at a like the in-depth workings of a switch of a Swiss watch when all you want to know is the time. Like she was praised as being a very like technically beautiful mm. great actor, but not mm. a realistically great actor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she kind of made That's Meryl Streep's career. So yeah. Go Nora. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I don't think I have anything else though. I mean, we didn't say that she's since passed away after oh, yeah, she created yeah. all of these in 2012, the Efron, mm-hmm. which is sad yep. for especially the world of romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. Yeah. I struggle to think of any romantic comedies that have been good in the past 10 years, I would say. I really liked The Big Sick last year. Okay, but yes. <laughs> no, you're right. Which so I think was a romantic like, comedy. Criticism, that is not a romantic comedy. Oh. Not criticism, I guess. But I'm like, that yeah. is so a romantic, a romantic comedy. comedy. It's a romantic comedy. <laughs> I don't really um, feel like it it's, is. But... And it's what a romantic comedy should be. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. a lot of people think romantic comedy and they think, like, you know, Valentine's Day or New Year's Eve or, you know, those really hokey stupid yeah. movies, you know? I mean, that one, it's weirdly and, less about the romance between the two and more about, like, uh-huh. his relationship with her parents, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But kind of in a, like, while you were sleeping kind of way, which is not mm-hmm. Nora Ephron, but, like, a... Yeah. 
yeah. fall in love with the family. Yeah, and, and, and nobody would say that while you were sleeping is not a romantic comedy. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, there are a few, I mean, not recent ones, but in thinking more about when Harry met Sally, there are a bunch that, like, really pull directly from that plot of, like, the friends that keep meeting each other yeah. and never end up together. Um, a lot like Love I Like, which is Ashton Kutcher and Amanda B. <laughs> it's probably not a really good movie, but it takes them, like, ten years to get together, and mm-hmm. it just keeps going, like... Two years later, they meet again, and three years later, they meet again, or definitely maybe with Ryan Reynolds, I like. Uh, there are a bunch that kind of follow that same format. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. Well, um, should we do a, let's do a recommend it, not recommend it, and then we're going to turn it over to Tana for a moment. So, uh, should we just do all three movies, recommend it, don't recommend it? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Shannon, you're up. I recommend them all. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like, I, I th- When Harry Met Sally is my favorite of them just because I feel like it's more a natural relationship. I I don't know what it is about Tom Hanks, <laughs> but for some, I, I like Billy Crystal so much more, like the pairing of them two more than Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, and I don't really know why, but mm-hmm. yeah, the two of them made worked better for me, but yeah. I, I like them all they're yeah. fun <laughs> Taylor uh yeah I think m- mine's the same like I would say see them all if you have the time if you only have time to see one probably when Harry met Sally yeah um yeah I as somebody who has not seen when Harry met <laughs> Sally um I would actually still agree with that just because you've got mail is I love it and I I love sleepless in Seattle in, in a different kind of way but um when Harry met Sally at least from the little bits that I've seen seems to be the most like realistic and sincere of the three um, but I do love all of them, so, yeah. Any of them when you're, like, tired of m- movies that, I, I don't know, like, if you're tired of looking at the news and everything dark, like, yeah. go watch Honoria for a Yeah, very It's a haven. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. For sure. All right, well, let's turn it over to Tana. Uh, okay, so, um, kind of... <laughs> I'm so sorry to end this Valentine's Day one this way. Uh, I was talking beforehand. Um, I think actually it's okay. Uh, So a big part of love is oftentimes loss of certain things. Um, So this is actually my last time as a host on the podcast. Um, Just with life and other projects and things, uh, I don't think that I have the time to uh, give this podcast that it deserves. uh, Because it absolutely does deserve time and attention and love and it's been so amazing um and I actually want to read uh so I have a hard time um processing my own emotions a lot of the time uh and I I use media as a way to process emotions um and that's been something that's been really dear to uh, me about being here on this podcast is um it's given me a chance to experience a lot more things and to have like a bigger range of um, I guess tools to process with, um, things that I can, uh, talk about and engage with and engage with other people. Um, and I actually want to read, so Shannon last podcast was asking, uh, to hear the, um, Professor Perlman's, um, monologue from the end of, uh, Call Me By Your Name. Um, this is a spoiler, uh, so if you don't want to, like, if you want to experience it in the movie and where it is emotive that way, absolutely do it. Um, but I'm just going to read it here because it is, um, kind of expresses a lot of the way that I'm feeling right now. Uh, he says, 
Um, in your place, if there is pain, nurse it. And if there is a flame, don't snuff it out. Don't be brutal with it. Withdrawal can be a terrible thing when it keeps us awake at night, and watching others forget us sooner than we'd want to be forgotten is no better. We rip out so much of ourselves to be cured of things faster than we should that we go bankrupt by the age of 30 and have less to offer each time we start with someone anew. But to feel nothing so as not to feel anything, what a waste. Uh, and I just am really glad and grateful for the time that I've had, and I'm like very sad and processing sad feelings right now. Um, but I'm grateful for having been on this podcast and I'm excited that it's going to keep going, um, giving people access to beautiful, um, touching books and movies and, and things. Um, and I'm sure I'll be back for guesting, guesting <laughs> sometimes if you'll have me, but, of course. um, I love you guys. We love you. <laughs> um, and I just want to say like, we're really sad to see Tana go. Um, but I, I am personally just really grateful for everything that you've added to the podcast. Um, I think that, I mean, and we've, we've talked about this, Shannon and I tend to be very similar. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's been really great to have, um, another voice on the podcast that has a different perspective and we're really sad to see you go, but we're also really excited for everything that you're doing and, um, we're excited for what where the show is going to go. We have some Yay. really, really great episodes lined up. <laughs> We're going to have some guests on, um, and we want to keep... Will absolutely Tana will absolutely be back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we really want to keep bringing in that third that third voice and, um, you know, bringing in different perspectives onto this podcast, and I think this provides, you know, some really great opportunities for us to grow and um, and keep giving you the the access to pop culture touchstones that you, that you want. So, yeah. Cool. Well, I think that's it for us this week. Um, join us next week. We're going to be talking about um, Marvel, specifically Phase 1 movies. We're kind of in a oh ramp boy. up for uh, <laughs> Infinity War later this year. So, but yeah, join us then. Bye. Bye.